the kingdom of God is not a static thing. And those a part of the kingdom of God aren't called to just be static and be pew warmers and just be in our comfort zone. When Jesus came, he was on the move constantly. And he only did what he saw the Father doing. And he brought the kingdom of God here on earth and he changed everything for those who believed in him, those who trusted in him. I don't know about you, but going through the Old Testament, this first part of the year, uh, and reading some of the heavy stuff in the Old Testament about the, the prophets, the judgment, uh, the, the difficult dark days that Israel experienced, reading that, we saw glimmers of hope. There's coming a Messiah. Things, it's not going to stay like this. There's hope. There's deliverance. But it's not until you get to the New Testament that we see just that veil removed and we enter into what the Hebrews 8, 6 says, better covenant with better promises. And we enter into that and it's the fulfillment of Jesus, the king who comes and he brings the kingdom of God and he, and he does what we can't do in and of ourselves. Uh, in our Bible reading plan, we are going to start Matthew this week. Okay, so if you're, if you like me have gotten behind in your Old Testament reading, okay, I have gotten behind in my Old Testament reading, don't worry about it. We're about to go into the New Testament. Grace, right? Grace, mercy. Just jump in in the New Testament and give yourself to the reading of the New Testament. And let's focus in on knowing Jesus. Because the New Testament is all about Jesus and the kingdom of God and how he brought it. And so our appetites are wet for the good news, for the new covenant, for the glory that the new covenant displays for us. The veil is removed and we enter in. We're not slaves. We're not captives anymore. We're new creations. We're sons and daughters. No more oppression. No more bondage to fear. Fear of death. Fear of our enemies. Fear of failure. No more uh, um, bondage to sin and addiction. Jesus brings the kingdom and he delivers people from the domain of darkness. And he transfers them into his kingdom. The Gospel of Mark was written uh, by John Mark. Now, John Mark was not one of the 12 disciples, but he had a close connection with St. Pedro. St. Peter. Peter, the apostle. And so from Peter's perspective, we have, and, and scholars agree on this, we have the, the Gospel of Mark. So Mark wrote it, and it's very short, it's the shortest of the Gospels. It's very, uh, he gives a lot of summary statements in the Gospel of Mark. He's just, he's straight to the point. Uh, we don't have uh, a whole lot, uh, as much teaching as the other Gospels have of Jesus' Jesus's teaching. It was more Jesus' actions. The word immediately in the Gospel of Mark is in there some 40 plus times. Immediately this happened. Immediately this happened. Immediately this happened. And Jesus is on the move. The kingdom is coming. Like God, God's spreading his reign. He's working. He's changing lives. He's transforming lives. He's displaying the kingdom, the power of the kingdom. And, and we get a beautiful glimpse of that. And we're going to look at chapter 1. And I'm going to... I'm going to summarize some of these statements because Mark covers a lot in one chapter, okay? He doesn't start like Matthew and Luke 
uh, with the birth of Jesus and give that part of the narrative. Uh, or John, he doesn't, he doesn't start way back to eternity past. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, right? And the Word was God. He starts with the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. He will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judah and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Sound like a guy you want to hang out with? And he preached, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And he came up out of the water. Immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So here's, here's the big idea. This is where we're going this morning. Jesus is the king who brought the kingdom of God on earth and he modeled for us how to advance the kingdom of God. He's the king. He's not just a king. He's the king of kings, as John says in Revelation. He's in charge. He is the king, the long-awaited Messiah, the son of God, the Christ, who would come and deliver his people from their sins, as Matthew's gospel says. And he modeled for us what a human life looks like that is prioritized on the kingdom of God. That is in line and in step perfectly with the Father. Jesus modeled it for us. okay? And he did what we couldn't do, what we have all failed to do as humanity. He did what only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could do. Amen? And so that's where we're going this morning. And so I'd like to, first of all, just start off uh, focusing on that first verse. John is straight up upfront about the identity of Jesus. So he makes this statement. He makes this assertion, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's not wasting any time at all. This is who he is. And I'm going to tell you the story about him and why I believe that and why this is true. Here's the story of Jesus, the Christ. Uh, Christ is a, uh, Christos is a Greek word. I believe it means anointed one. The, the Hebrew word for Christ that, that the Jews use is Messiah. Messiah. Okay, we sang that this morning. Jesus, Messiah, our Savior. 
And so the Jewish people had prophecies about this Messiah who would come. And they were long waiting this Messiah. Isaiah talked about him. Uh, and, and as we see quoted in this first part, uh, John the Baptist was the voice of one preparing the way for the Lord. And Jesus was the Messiah to come that, that Israel had longed for and hoped for. They were waiting for somebody to deliver them from their enemies. They were waiting for someone to deliver them from Roman oppression. This was the first century, and this was when Rome was in power. Rome ruled the world, and, and there, were some, there were some great things going on, uh, but there was a lot of oppression. Rome had some wicked emperors that didn't like Christians and would set them on fire. And so Jesus, another king shows up, okay, one that, that threatened the empire of Rome. Okay? And so in the minds of many Jewish people, they thought Jesus would be a political king, a, war, a warrior who would just take out Rome physically. And so he didn't come as they thought. And so many, many of them uh, had their expectations of what the Messiah would look like um, unfulfilled in their lifetime. They were thinking more of what, what we know as the second coming of when he comes back as the lion of Judah. He came as a lamb and he laid down his life, but he's coming back as a lion to, who will judge the living and the dead. And so this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel just means good news. Okay, it's, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the essence of the good news. Who he is, the life, his death, and burial. And resurrection. <laughs> Don't want to leave that out. Is the essence of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He's that long-awaited Messiah who would come and save. He is the Son of God. That's the good news. Who Jesus is, His life, who He came to be for us and rescue us from our sins. And so before the gospel is theology to be studied, it is news to be announced proclaimed and declared. There is a simplicity in the gospel that must be just shared with simplicity and declared and proclaimed. And yet there's also some depth to the gospel message of, of who Jesus is and what he taught and what he did um, for us. The kingdom of God is, is the, the theme we're looking at. Verse 14, we see what Jesus was proclaiming, the gospel of God. Verse 14, um, now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel was the message. Jesus was gospel centered. <laughs> he was the king. All right. And, and that was his message. And so kind of where I want to go with this message is focus in on four ways that the kingdom of God comes. Like, what does it look like? What does it look like for the kingdom of God to come? What are the means for the kingdom of God coming? And what does it look like when the kingdom of God comes? And then what is the kingdom of God? I need to answer that question, too, if we're going to talk about the how and the, and the what. But the, one of the primary means of the spread of the kingdom of God is through proclamation or declaration. Just announcing the king is here. Okay? That there is freedom. This, is, this was a common thing that happened in the first century when, when a country like Rome would overpower and, and win a war. It, it was a common thing for that news to be spread. 
it was good news, right? If that's your country, or, and, or, or you, become, uh, you become free, you were slaves to some oppressive nation, an oppressive empire, and a king, uh, then there's this good news that's proclaimed, it's announced. You're free, you're free, you're free. And so in that, that same train of thought, Jesus came proclaiming a different kingdom that truly was good news indeed. That there is, there's freedom, there's deliverance, there's healing, there's salvation, there's acceptance through Jesus Christ, through his coming, through his work, through what he has done for us. And so the kingdom of God comes through declaration. You see this in the life of Jesus. You see this in the life of Paul. You see this in the book of Acts. If you want to see practically on the ground, what does it look like for the kingdom of God to spread like wildfire? like it's supposed to in the lives of those who are part of the kingdom, you read the book of Acts. And you see Holy Spirit activity, the kingdom of God activity happening. And the, the message about Jesus spreads. In Jerusalem, starts in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. The, the message spreads. The, the, the declaration, the proclamation of the gospel spreads. And so if you and I want to be a part of kingdom activity, and we want to be like Jesus, and we want to see the kingdom of God spread through our lives, this must be a priority in our lives. If you and I are going to be those who seek first the kingdom of God and prioritize the kingdom of God over our comforts and our own happiness... Actually, you'll find greater happiness in prioritizing the kingdom, kingdom of God, the king. Because his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you prioritize the kingdom of God, this is one of the ways that it will look in your life. Like Jesus, you'll share, you'll declare, you'll announce, you'll proclaim, you'll pass on the message that you heard, like Kevin shared with us today, his testimony of being delivered from the domain of darkness and being transferred into a new kingdom, you'll share that message. If you've been freed, if you've been delivered, if you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good, you're going to tell somebody. You go to a good restaurant, taste some good food, you had some good service, beautiful atmosphere, all of a sudden becomes a special place for you and your spouse. You're going to tell somebody. Go to that restaurant, Mesa Maya. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to tell somebody you've tasted, you saw, you experienced, you, 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 you tell. And that's, that's what it looks like for the kingdom of God to advance in our lives. That's the means that God has ordained for the kingdom of God to spread is through you, not just, not just a pastor, not just a leader, but all of the church being like Jesus and proclaiming and declaring the message of the kingdom like Jesus did. We, I think we would all agree here that we're called to be like Jesus, right? I think we can, we can all find scriptural support that says our purpose in life ultimately is to know and love Jesus and follow him and be like him. Romans 8, 29, we're, we're, we're predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus, right? I think we would all agree that that's what we're here for, for the glory of God the glory of Jesus Christ to be displayed and demonstrated through our lives for us to look like Jesus, walk like Jesus, love like Jesus, talk like Jesus, right? That's the kingdom, the kingdom coming. And so declaration, this is also called evangelism. You're, you're just, 
You're, you're sharing the good news. You're telling others around you about the, good, the goodness of God that you've experienced. The good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the rule of God in the hearts of people. Many folks, like I was saying earlier, many folks had the expectation that it would be a political kingdom. But Jesus, first of all, in, in his first coming, didn't come to establish a political kingdom. It was different. They were, they were thinking, the Jews were thinking deliverance and freedom from Rome. But Jesus was thinking deliverance and freedom from sin and Satan. That bondage of slavery. And the kingdom of God breaks in to, to, to set people free from sin, from addiction, from slavery in their hearts, in their minds, and in their lives. And so this is what Jesus proclaimed. He said, he proclaimed the gospel, and we want to be gospel-centered, Christ-centered, uh, and we want to be about the kingdom like Jesus was. That's the, this is a summary of his message, by the way. Mark uses summary statements. If you want to see an, an, you know, what Jesus was teaching expounded, you read Matthew and, um, Matthew and Luke's gospels and John's gospels. Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7, you want to know Jesus' kingdom teaching of, of what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom and live in the kingdom of God, you read the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he, most of Jesus' parables that he's told were parables about what? The kingdom of God. He wanted people to get this message about the kingdom and wanted them to know that this is good news indeed. And it really becomes good news when you've been living under oppression and fear and bondage, and the quality of your life has been diminished because there's not freedom, because there's not love, there's not joy, there's not life flourishment, living in the domain of darkness. And so the way into the kingdom is to repent and believe. Okay, And this isn't just a one-time thing for those who are part of the kingdom, who, who enter into the kingdom. Uh, the Greek word for repentance means to change your mind. Okay, repentance has this, uh, first of all, it has this, uh, there's, there's a change that happens here in the way that you think. Okay, but it also is, is a turning away. I think the, the Hebrew word, Old Testament word is more the idea of a turning from. Uh, and, it, and it's both. I mean, like if you, if, you're, if you turn the wrong way down a one-way street, uh, before you turn around, you actually realize I'm going the wrong way. I'm about to, about to wreck. Uh, I need to turn around. So you change your mind and then find a place where you can turn around and you turn around, right? That's repentance. And there should be fruit from that. So if you were a drug addict, then you change your mind, you turn around from living that lifestyle. If you were sexually moral and living a sexually moral life, you realize this is wrong. This is not what kingdom people do. This is not what Christians do. Change your mind. Change your direction. This is important because it's not... It's, to, to, to have that freedom and deliverance isn't merely an act of our will, and it isn't merely a change of our mind. We need a power outside of ourselves for that to take place, and that is what the kingdom of God provides for us. It's power. First Corinthians 4, Paul said the kingdom of God is not mere talk, not mere words, but it is power. It's power displayed and given to a life to walk in freedom and to be who God's called us to be. So Jesus' message is repent and believe in the gospel of the kingdom. And repentance, again, isn't a one-time deal. Okay, so yeah, you repented of all those big sins when you became a Christian, right? 
You know, you quit living with your girlfriend or quit using drugs or quit stealing. You quit lying. That's great. <laughs> that needs to happen. Okay, that's what it looks like when you, you become a Christian. Those things, you put those things off. You become a new creation. But this is something we grow in. You see, we keep repenting. We, as Christians, we, we need to keep having our minds renewed, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so there's this changing of our minds that's an ongoing process for us. There's a repentance that's ongoing. So, so don't feel like you're not a Christian if you have to confess your sins sometimes, weekly or daily or however often you need to do that. Because that's a part of repentance. That's a part of living the kingdom life, the Christian life, is you're renouncing the old ways of darkness and you're committing to the kingdom. And then faith. Faith in in Jesus and in the gospel isn't just a one-time thing when you get into the kingdom. It's an ongoing thing. Those who are righteous will live by faith. I'm excited about a Roman series that we're going to start. Right after this, we're going to be in, in Lord willing, in Mark for the next month or so, five, five messages, and then we're going to start a Roman, Book of Romans series. Uh, so that's where we're going. I'm excited. But in Romans, that's a message, a, a theme is the righteous shall live by faith, Romans 1.17. The just shall live by faith. That's an ongoing thing for us. Believing the gospel and living in faith in Jesus isn't just when we get into the kingdom. It's ongoing. This is how you live the kingdom life. You repent. You believe and you keep that up. Uh, As I said, the kingdom of God is the reign of God in the hearts of people. God's reign. What does it look like for God to reign in you? To be your king. To be king over your finances. To be king over your thought life. To be king in your marriage. To be king in your parenting. To be king in your work. How you work. To be king in your play and entertainment. How you spend your time entertaining yourself or recreation. What does it look like for Jesus to be king in all those areas of our life? I think each of us here today would make some changes if we, if we truly took some time to evaluate what that looks like. I think each of us here have some ways that we need to change our thinking about being kingdom people and prioritizing the kingdom of God. This is an ongoing thing for us. As Christians, it's not a one-time thing. I am confronted with this, and I'm excited about this because God has called us to so much more. You know, this week, um, this is kind of a confession of, of weakness and failure, but also of what God's doing in me. Um, there's, there was a lady walking down in our neighborhood going to a drug house, and we've seen her before, and we've prayed for her before and my son has reached out to her and i've told him hey go tell her about jesus tell you know whatever and and he said hey jesus loves you and and uh anyway she was walking down the street and she was just like she was out of it i mean she was obviously intoxicated probably maybe it seemed like a drug like heroin or or some something it was very it was demonic it was a an example for me of a person living in the domain of darkness right there in my neighborhood. And my wife saw her, and she said, well, if you were here, I would just stop and talk to her. I said, I'm, I'm right here on the street, babe. I'm pulling up. Oh, you go and talk to her. <laughs> and so I went, and I, I pulled up, and, you know, I didn't know. I mean, one, first of all, a guy getting out of a car talking to a girl like that just looks kind of suspicious. 
but I, but I stopped and I just, I, I tried to just communicate how Christ loves her. And I just, my heart was moved with compassion, but I felt helplessness to help her. I felt, I felt weak. I, I felt like there must be something more that I can do. I didn't just, not, I didn't just see her just to pray for her. Yeah, I'll pray for her and pray that the kingdom of God comes in her life. But God wants to deliver this woman through not only the, the decoration of the, the, the kingdom of God, but the demonstration of the power of the kingdom of God. As a Christian, as a pastor, I'm confronted that, that there's more for me to walk in when it comes to kingdom power. And I'm not going to stay in this unholy discontentment when it comes to experiencing the power of the kingdom. There's more. And so what do we do? Because we don't, nobody I know lives like Jesus and walks in the power, consistent power that Jesus walked in or the apostles walked in. But you know what? We can pray for that power to be displayed. And we should pray for that power to be manifested and displayed in our lives and through our lives so that others can get free. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, one of the ways that we see the kingdom of God advance in Mark's gospel and, and what it looks like when the kingdom breaks into people's lives is through deliverance and healing. Jesus, everywhere he went, he was, there were demonic oppressed people and Jesus frees them. He tells demons to come out of them. People who are oppressed with sickness in their body for years who have had their life diminished and the quality of their life diminished and, and, and he, he comes and he heals them and he frees them. Jesus entered a synagogue, and was te- a synagogue and was teaching, verse 22, and they were all astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority. Here's the king who has authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing in him, crying out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding cities, throughout the surrounding region of of Galilee. This is what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come, to break in. There's deliverance, and there's healing. Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick. Immediately, there's immediately again. He left the synagogue, and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew, okay, after church, they're going, going to lunch over at Simon's mother-in-law, at, at the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. And Simon's mother-in-law law lay ill with a fever. And immediately, he told, they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. He healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. That's awesome. All right. I don't know how your guys how your relationship is with your mother-in-law, but if your mother-in-law is sick, that's a blessing that Jesus heal her. We should pray for that and believe for that. And he, and he, there's a joke that says, you know, that's why Peter denied Jesus later on. But I'm not going to say that joke. 
Well, I just said the joke. I guess I did. And it says, at, at that evening at sundown, they were brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out demons, and, they, and he would not permit them, the demons, to speak because they knew him. Here's what the kingdom of God looks like when it comes. Sick people were getting healed. People in bondage to demonic forces and power were delivered from that oppression. That's the kingdom of God. And our Christianity, we should not settle for a Christianity that lacks this kind of power. Jesus came and with power. And he's still alive and he's still working today through the Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us today. The activity of the Holy Spirit. This is something Jesus did and then he commissioned his followers to do the same thing. You go walk in this power. We should pray for deliverance and healing for people. That, that is something we should do. When uh, James 5, when somebody's sick amongst the church, we're, there's, a, there's a prescription. Pray over them. Anoint them with oil. Have the elders of the church. Call on them. Ask for prayer from the leaders of the church. Anoint them with oil. Lay hands on them. Call out, and, and the, the prayer of faith will save the sick. That's New Testament. That has not stopped. That is a prescription that did not die off with the apostles. Okay? That's for us today. That's normal Christianity. If somebody's sick, pray for them. Pray for healing. You may not see it, or you may see it, but you can still pray. You can still believe God for healing. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. Whether I see that power manifested or not, I believe it's available for me as a Christian. I believe it's available for you as a Christian. So let's pray for it. Let's pray as Jesus taught to pray, Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. What is, it, what is it like in heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? There's not. Is there oppression in heaven? Bondage and fear in heaven? There's freedom. There's life. There's joy. There's a world of perfect love in heaven. There's justice. There's righteousness. There's goodness. There's beauty that captivates the hearts of those who dwell there. It's, it's a beautiful place. And so we pray, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's one of the means of, of the kingdom of God coming is prayer. When you read the book of Acts, two things that marked uh, the, the, the church and how this, the kingdom of God spread. It was through the proclamation of the kingdom. They were witnesses and they were prayer warriors. They were on their knees. Folks were getting calluses on their knees. From praying so much. What would it, what, I would love for us to be a church that we, got, we are folks with calluses on our knees. Camel knees. As, uh, I think it was James who had a reputation for being known as, as uh, camel knees. Because that brother was getting down on his knees praying for the kingdom of God to come. That's what it looks like to be a kingdom person. Jesus was about that. You, you go over to uh, Mark one thirty five and 38. Uh, and rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and he went to a desolate place and there he prayed. This was not just one day that Jesus did this. This was his lifestyle. He prayed and he went and proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. He prayed. He was always in tune with the Father, communing with the Father, walking with the Father, doing only what the Father was doing according to John's gospel. That's the language that he used. But he had this beautiful, perfect relationship 
the Son of God, with the Father, Father God. And by the way, in the baptism, as we see in Mark and Jesus' baptism, we have a beautiful picture of the Trinity. We got the Father from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And we got the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. And then we got Jesus, the Son of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All right? Because all you folks who grew up Catholic, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? We believe in the Trinity. That, that God is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the triune God. And, and what we see in this gospel, in the gospels, is we see all three. We see the Father's part in sending the Son. We see Jesus bringing the kingdom. We see the Spirit anointing him. And then Jesus sends the Spirit when he leaves. He says, I don't leave you as orphans. And so the work in the king of the kingdom is, is carried on by the followers of Jesus. And so we see this beautiful dance, if you will, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bringing the kingdom, touching lives, healing lives, bringing freedom, creating a band of dedicated followers who are committed to the kingdom of god so jesus prayed and then look uh, verse 38 and he proclaimed so he was praying he was it's probably hours and then so simon went looking for him and he and he found jesus and he said hey everyone's looking for you jesus and he said let's go and jesus said let us go to the next town that i may preach there also for that is why i came i think one translation says for this purpose i've come forth to preach he prayed, he preached. That's how the gospel comes. That's how the kingdom of God spread. And then I skipped over this, this last thing here. Jesus made disciples. He called in, in verse 16 through 20, he called his disciples and he said, follow me and I will make you become, I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Immediately, immediately, immediately. You see this all over. They followed him. So how does the kingdom of God spread? What does it look like when it's spreading? There is a declaration of the good news that's going out through God's people. There is discipleship happening, life on life. Jesus took 12 men and he invested a portion of his life in these men, knowing that they would carry on the work and do the very things that he was doing. He even said, and this is, this is a tough verse to wrestle with. He said, and the things that I do, greater things, greater works, he who believes in me will do. I mean, what do you do with that? I tell you one thing you could do with it is at least believe that there is more for you and me who believe in Jesus and our followers of Jesus. There's more for us to be about and to experience. There's more of the kingdom the power and the manifestation of the kingdom of God for us to experience. Now, I would say this too, um, that we live in what theologians called the already not yet. Okay? So the kingdom of God has come. It's coming. But then it's still going to come. Okay? And I don't, I don't want to sound like, give the impression that, that uh, it's, it's fully in its fullness already here. Okay, I don't have, I don't think I have an overrealized eschatology. Sorry for using uh, these these theological words on you guys, um, but the, we are called to live within that tension in this age. Okay, the kingdom has come. The king has come. His kingdom is here. We are a part of it. 
but there is more to come. That's why we pray for it. That's why we proclaim the gospel. That's why we make disciples. That's why we believe him for deliverance and healing, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't tolerate being in bondage to any kind of addictions. You should be free and healed and whole and delivered. And you should be freed up to help others get delivered, healed, and whole following Jesus. Amen? This is like a series that I'm trying to preach in one sermon. Uh, I'm sorry. My wife said that. I said, yes, yes. we We got five sermons in Mark, and so I have to do this. Okay, I have to do. I'm, well, I don't have to. But this is what I'm doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up though. These are the four ways that the kingdom of God comes, and it's what it looks like when it comes. There's a declaration. There's discipleship, life on life. The kingdom of God is a relational thing. Who are you discipling? Who are you investing? Like Jesus, this we're, we're, we are commissioned to do this. The kingdom of God comes through deliverance and healing. Bring is marked by Deliverance and healing of those who were under the, the domain of darkness. That's why we worship the way that we do. That's why we should cut loose. One of the reasons why we should cut loose and praising God, lift our hands, shout because we were in bondage and now we're free. Like in Luke 7, this sinful woman who was forgiven of her sins much, she lavished her love on Jesus. She extravagantly worshipped Jesus because we've been set free. We've been delivered. So that's what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come. Deliverance and healing and then dedication to prayer. That's the means that God uses and chooses uh, to bring the kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So here's where I'm going to land the plane. An application is, is prioritize the kingdom of God. And do it by being eager and faithful to share the good news. Prioritize the kingdom of God. One of the ways you can do that is by being eager and faithful to share the good news. When is the last time you engaged a stranger, a neighbor, a co-worker, classmate with the gospel message? Where you stepped out, whether you did it successfully or not, when's the last time you tried Okay, whether you hit that awkward wall of, oops, uh, that didn't work. Or whether that person is like a sponge, like, tell me about Jesus. Can I get baptized? You know, whether, whether it's like fruit falling off the tree or whether you're, you're just like trying to sow a seed on solid ground, on, on rocky ground or hard, uh, fallow soil. That's the sermon for next week, by the way. The message of the kingdom and, and the different kinds of folks that hear it or don't hear it, don't respond or don't respond. Be intentional and faithful about making disciples. Who make disciples? Who are you investing your life in? Now, if you have kids, that needs to, that needs to be happening in your kids. You're discipling them to follow Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus. But then outside of your immediate family, what woman are you meeting with to help her take those next steps in following Jesus? You know, uh, if, if you if you're here today and you feel like you need to be disciple, like nobody's ever done that with me. I need to be disciple before I can do that with somebody else. Then let us know. Please tell me. And I would love to try to make some connections within our body because we have some folks that can help with that. But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, there are always next steps for us to take in following him. There's always, whether you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years, there's always another step that he's calling us into 
and following him. It's a journey, okay? And nobody here has arrived. And so part of that journey is making disciples and helping others along in this pilgrimage. Uh, seek to help others experience freedom and healing. That, the freedom and healing that accompanies those who live in the kingdom. Who around you do you know, family members, who have not experienced the, the healing and deliverance that, that Jesus provides? Seek to help them get that. I have a sister, and I'm so grateful. My, my mother sent me a picture of her, a stepsister, who has not been walking with the Lord and has been in bondage. And I, I tell you what, there, there, has, there have been some times where I've felt despair, like, gosh, what's going to happen? But there's been times where we've prayed, we've cried out, we've rolled that burden to God in prayer. And today, I, I saw a beautiful picture of her, and she had this shirt on. She's in, a, she's in a residential ministry where my parents serve in Pleasant Grove. And it said, a changed life. I'm a changed life. And she had this bright smile, and she just looked different. That's the kingdom of God coming in people's lives, bringing freedom in people's lives. And so don't lose heart. If you've got relatives, you've got co-workers, friends, neighbors, God can melt the hard hearts. God can heal the broken hearts. God can free the captives, and he can do it through you. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John 11. But then he told those around Lazarus, loose them. Get those grave clothes off of them. Lazarus comes hopping out of the grave, right? Jesus did that. He's, he gave them life. But then he says to those around him, loose them. Get those grave clothes off of them. He's alive. He needs to be freed up and live his life, right? And that's, that's a picture of us, the church, discipling and helping those that Jesus makes alive get freedom. The kingdom, let the kingdom of God be a focus point in your prayers. Let this dominate. Let this be priority in your prayers as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you for the precious families and individuals that you've brought here to City Church International Garland. And Father, I pray that your kingdom would spread through us and through this place like wildfire. That those of us who have been static in our relationship and our journey would step out and start taking those next steps. What are those next steps for you, for your family? What are those next steps, church, of knowing and loving and following Jesus? Because God has some next steps for you. So may He speak to that, speak that to your heart as we sing this next song. Let's respond in worshiping our King.